planning in Canada, you have to really lean into culture and context. And I think you have to do this in ways that just don't happen in other places. And I think our geography just plays so much into that. Hello and welcome to Grow Up, an APG Canada podcast, where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkerers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and today on the show, and actually for the next few weeks, we'll be chatting to industry professionals about what makes strategic planning in Canada different from the rest of the world, and what a Canadian style of strategic planning might have to offer the industry. Today, we are joined by Katie Hui, Senior Director, Client Strategy at Public. Uh, Katie, awesome to have you here. I'm super excited to have a chat with you. Terrific if you could uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a bit about your background, um, some of the different markets that you've worked in, um, what you're up to now, and then we'll get into kind of the crux of the uh, interview. Sure. Thanks for having me on, Michelle. I spent the past 15 years working in a number of different geographies, predominantly the UK, Europe, and a little bit of Asia. I am a Canadian, so I was born and raised here in Hamilton, Ontario, but I left in my 20s to explore um, different different career options. And so I've spent the last 15 years working in a number of different agencies. I've also spent time client side. My focus has been on projects that are in the social impact and sustainability space, um, but almost always uh, through a brand strategy lens. And I've recently moved back to Canada where I'm working at Public, which is a social impact agency. And it's really nice to be working in Canada uh, and being back for the first time since my youth. Wow, that's that's super interesting. So you actually got your start in, in strategy, marketing, advertising um, in the UK. I did. Wow, that's, that's super interesting. And so you've spent the majority of your career over there and, and now you're here. So... Um, yeah, curious. I mean, how how long have you been back now? About 18 months. Yeah? Yeah. And how's it going so far? How are you finding it? Was it almost like a reverse cultural uh, <laughs> adjustment or what? <laughs> Definitely. Um I didn't I didn't actually expect there to be just such a huge cultural difference in the way um in both like the workplace and also the way that strategy and planning is approached um, from the agency lens. So there are fundamentals, I think, of our craft and our practice that remain true. Um, and that's just <laughs> that's just our discipline. But in terms of some of the nuances and approaches and methodologies, that's something that I found very different. And I can give you a few examples of that. Yeah, I'd love to hear about that. Um, let's get let's get into it. Um, and I guess my one caveat to all of this is um, my experience in Canada has been limited to two agencies. So the generalizations I'm making is with that lens. So um, something that I have found is in the UK, clients tend to be more willing and receptive to primary research. And when I started working here in Canada, anytime I would say, oh, we don't know enough, or we should do some ethnography, or we should do some primary research, it's usually been met with, oh, we'd love to do that. That would be amazing. But the client doesn't really want it. They want us to look at this database or we know that we can get free data from here. And what I found is there's just less, there's a less emphasis on kind of finding insight through <laughs> the old school research method, as opposed to let's do this efficient with the data that we have available. 
Yes. That's interesting. Um, do, do, I mean, it, it feels like there's so many different ways to do research. Actually, we did a whole episode on kind of how to do kind of scrap your research on a shoestring budget. Um, and obviously with technology, like there's, there's so many more ways you can push it. Is, is that something that you think clients are willing to venture into or? I think um, clients that I, that I worked with previously are more willing to pay for not even just primary research, but different forms of research, then are going to give them a competitive edge or give them something that they didn't know. And I think that is maybe because a lot of our industry is becoming more commoditized that finding original insight or finding um, ways of standing out is, is becoming increasingly harder. And that's because one, we have so much information to look at and so many different ways to cut that. So I think it's more born from a place of how strategically led could this be and where would we find that original insight? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, any other big differences that you've noticed in the two markets besides uh, primary research? Yes. Diversity. So um, even when you're just looking at population demographics, like the UK is less diverse than Canada. And I'm talking from a, um, from a race, ethnicity, immigration point of view. So um, the audiences that you are targeting, the audiences that you're understanding for your work are just in Canada. They're so broad and so diverse. And that for me has been really fascinating because as a strategist, you have to take that like gut check of, am I stereotyping? Is this objective? Am I fully understanding how this should land and also grounding it in those universal truths and those behaviors that you want to change and impact as opposed to, um, I think, what I call lazy planning, which is, oh, we think this, this group of people is going to do this and they live in this area and therefore we target them. I think the diversity thing has been um, really really interesting and also a huge challenge. And within that diversity, I also speak of our geography. So the fact that most work I've done in Canada has had to be translated into English and French and some additional languages like Chinese. And that it just speaks to the nature of our population demographics. But that looks very different from a production timeline, too, of when you're doing the work. It's interesting because there's a real contradiction between the first point and the second. You would think that given the diversity, all the more need for primary research, uh, especially amongst those different groups. Yes. <laughs> I this, this is something I'm reconciling all the time because I, I think it's, it is really challenging. Is, and there there's that commonly held expression if you design for everyone you're designing for no one and i think about that a lot of you you want to be both culturally sensitive and broadly culturally sensitive and broadly applicable but actually we there's so much information you don't know especially if you don't have the lived experience and especially if you're working in um somewhere like canada which has like the lowest population density in the world Close to not not we're not top of the list, but we are very close to it, and that has implications too in terms of when we think about the channels and the messengers and how our work lives in the in the real world. I don't think <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember of like 
all of the work that I'd done in the UK. And I don't think that I ever worked on something where we were actually thinking about like physical locations aside from like out of home. But in my work so far in Canada, a channel that comes up all the time is like physical spaces, like posters (laughs) and flyers in like community centers and places that people go very often. And we forget that even culturally, like Canadians own cars and drive around and we cluster in places, but those types of ideas just wouldn't, wouldn't land in, um, I think work that I did in the UK. And and so how does that work with, um, I, cause I'm particularly curious, I don't know as much about public and the work that you do in the, in the area of sustainability. Um, can you, can you talk a bit more about that and any kind of specific challenges or things you've had to navigate, um, maybe as it relates to those those two things, um, primary research and diversity, how has that kind of come to a head without obviously giving away, you know, all your code secrets? Yeah. Um, so the work that uh, we do at Public is helping brands and organizations on their social impact strategy or platforms, or their sustainability, ESG, wrapper. I think there's a lot of different terminologies that get thrown around for this. Sometimes it's a cause marketing campaign. Sometimes it's promoting an ESG brand. And sometimes it's working out a community investment strategy and how to engage with the community. And what you have is very um, unique groups of people. And you also have sometimes an impact audience versus the communications audience. And I think it's the same across, you know, all, all work that we do in our field, whether that is a commercial client or whether that's a not-for-profit or whether you're working on a cause part of the work, there are so many different stakeholders and ways that you have to kind of cut that information, but also like meet the goals of what impact and what's driving the business. And so when I have been working on things in Canada, one thing that I've realized is if you're thinking about a group of people that you that are a bit of beneficiary audience or an impact audience for the work, you need to understand a lot about them. <laughs> and that contextual piece of where they live, work, and play, what motivates them, who influences them, sometimes can be harder, especially when you're going across marginalized and racialized groups, especially if you're working with indigenous communities. So you have added layers of our work, which include other consultancies or subject matter experts. And like in the UK, there isn't an indigenous population. (laughs) So that again is, there's there's other issues when it comes to um, like the social dimension of work and marginalized and racialized communities. I think in Canada, there's so many, so many different ones. And that is another part of the nuance. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you mentioned subject matter experts. Do you find yourself talking to them more? Or, I mean, it, it feels like they would be able to give a, a really interesting perspective. Yes. So there are um, so many subject matter experts that we work with. And this is across a huge number of of fields, whether that's um, diversity, equity, inclusion, whether that is specifically Indigenous-led organizations, whether that's um, um, people who work uh, on ability and disability and like consultants in the space, because 
what I think I mentioned previously, the lived experience component. That's so important when you're designing investment programs and there has to be an element of both co-creation, but deep audience understanding. That's super interesting. I mean, you must be learning so much about uh, Canada and the different communities, um, you know, and the different expert opinions within them. So primary research diversity, any other big differences that you've noticed between the two markets? Yes. (laughs) So this actually came up um, at, at public. We have a, like most agencies, we have a number of channels that are, conversational around, I saw this ad and I loved it, or I saw this, what do you think? And we have critical dialogue around whether or not we think something um, has had impacts and and landed well. And recently, uh, somebody had shared an example of (laughs) an ad um, that Ikea did in Canada on home. I'm not sure if you remember this one, but it was like, it was a troll and a kid. So we were divided as an agency, but we were divided between Brits and Canadians. (laughs) And I was fascinated by this. And what, as we were like, everyone was discussing like what they loved and didn't love about it. The Brits, and I include myself in that as a dual national, one of the things that I loved about it was there's this long standing culture and craft of ads in the UK that are like, these sto- this way of storytelling that's like long form, beautiful prose that doesn't necessarily do product placement. And if it does, it's quite subtle, but it's like the John Lewis Christmas ad. And like, it's something that people emulate and it has just become this thing within our industry of like, what is that next thing? And so when I watched that Ikea ad, I was like, oh, it's storytelling. It's the wonderful every day. It's the troll. It's like, it really resonated with me and some fellow Brits. However, the Canadians who are weighing in on this said, really? I don't get the point. I don't get how it's driving anything. Why is it about a product, but not the brand? And like the the deconstructing of it was like, it didn't make sense. And it it wasn't resonating with Canadians and it was meant to land in the Canadian context. So that for me was like, I love it. Canadians don't love it. It was aired in Canada. It was following culturally how maybe a, a British planning team or creative team would have taken this. So that for me was super interesting. So the style, I guess, uh, of the work. I mean, there, there's been some commentary about, um, you know, uh, do, are we as willing to lean into emotional based advertising as other markets, um, you know, versus rational? I mean, that that's an interesting have. <laughs> well, and and I think you just summarized my very long-winded <laughs> story, and that's exactly it. How emotional versus functional um, are we, and and are different geographies in in receiving information? And I think there's the argument you can make of you can try something new and see if you can and build that, or actually that type of communication medium or approach, sorry, doesn't, doesn't land or it's, it's creating more diversity in the communication landscape. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, it's, it's funny. I mean, I think I brought this up in a, in another, um, episode because I'd recently come across this, uh, research deck trend report that, um, Wonderman Thompson had done about the age of re-enlightenment and just 
how, you know, all, all the cultural forces of us feeling stress and anxiety and being sucked into our phones and all this. And then there's a real opportunity for brands to lean into this kind of fantasy and uh, entertainment and lightness, um, you know, to show a bit more frivolity. Um, so it's, it's, it's an it's inter- interesting context to work out from, I think. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so those are some th- three pretty, pretty big points <laughs> that you've made there. You, do you have anything to add or, um, you know, we talked about what can the Canadian style of strategic planning offer the industry? Are there, are there some things you think that might be worth other markets picking up? That is a great question. I, I think for me, it is the nuance in the research. And that's something that I feel like I've been given the most amazing education by some of my peers at public because of the huge number of different audiences that we're working with. And in, in lots of like, we work a lot in Canada and the States. Um, and so there's definitely the, the nuance side. I think also Canada, planning in Canada, you have to really lean into culture and context. And I think you have to do this in ways that just don't happen in other places. And I think our geography just plays so much into that. The, the fact that we are so spread out and every province has such um, its own identity. And even like within each region, there's, there's more um, nuance in that, that I keep thinking back to like um, innovation. And so in Canada, sorry, not innovation. I keep thinking about when you are activating as part of your work. In Canada, it's so difficult to activate in communities without having to fly multiple locations and do like road shows, for example, or ways that work is brought to life through partners is really difficult in the Canadian context because of how big we are. Um, But from a logistics and creativity point of view, I think planning in Canada has so much to offer because of that challenge that comes up all the time in our work, where you're thinking, how can you reach a huge number of people in disparate areas for a small budget and without it being entirely tech-focused or might be, um, or with limited distribution networks versus if you're doing something that involves um, activation in the UK, you're like, oh, I'll go to a train station. There's a ton of people. (laughs) Like, it's just so different. And yeah, that, I think that's a big part of it. And I think the fact that there's an extra layer of work (laughs) that strategic planning in Canada has to do with a lot of, with a lot of briefs that I think you don't have to do in other countries. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really interesting because it it seems like a a lot of briefs, you know, obviously there'll be the two markets of Quebec and then the rest of Canada, but rest of Canada is (laughs) a, a hugely blunt knife. Um, but then the challenge is obviously to, to your point, how spread out we are and what a small population we are, um, and, and having to manage, you know, budget, et cetera. Um, but if you, you, I mean, again, if you do get, get that nuance, right. And the fact that, you know, we do have so much, um, you know, uh, 
different groups coming in through immigration, for example. I mean, there's there there are so many interesting nooks and crannies and spaces and ways that we can connect with different people. Actually, someone at the Canada versus event a little while ago made this comment, and, and I actually have had this as well. Um, you know, I, I worked on Kimberly Clark a while back, um, global brand, obviously, and someone made the comment like, with, you know, a lot of these. Uh, a lot of these brands should be using Canada as a test market, given the diversity of the population. Um, you know, why not test, uh, you know, creative ideas against these different populations before you then, you know, launch them in the in the actual countries? And I think that's a really, really interesting idea um, and something that I think even Kimberly Clark had started playing with um, when I worked with them. So it's a, it's an interesting thought. I think. That is a really interesting thought. And I building on that, I think there are a number of companies that have come like all guns blaring into Canada and failed because they didn't acknowledge the local nuance. They didn't acknowledge things like French translation on packaging or turnaround times or <laughs> the things that um, I think very often Canada is seen as synonymous with the US. And so you go, oh, we're going to expand into Canada. That makes sense. When actually, with if you don't have those things in place and you've seen it with so many retailers, especially like Target, they come to Canada, doesn't work out, and then they swiftly exit. And Nordstrom was the latest casualty, I think. But I think your point around testbed uh, is is super interesting. And I love the idea of piloting little things to see how it works within different different groups. Great. Well, I mean, this has been a super interesting conversation, um, you know, talking about primary research, um, you know, the, the diversity. Um, and it sounds like a, a, a real opportunity as well. I mean, how, how do we have you had these conversations, as I think, on the last uh, point about more kind of emotionally based storytelling type type work? You, you guys obviously had a conversation as an agency. Um, what has been the reaction from different clients that you've worked with? Do you maybe it just depends on the client as to their appetite for that sort of thing. I mean, interestingly, I obviously someone at Ikea <laughs> liked that approach. Um, but you, you know, I guess it depends on the brand. Yeah, it, I think it does depend on the brand. And because we over index on cause based things, so often our clients don't want the feel good emotion. <laughs> because that's a trope that happens very often in our space of you. We know that people don't act well to feeling guilty or seeing things that are uncomfortable but we also know that messages of hope and and that type of framing does work and does land better um but i think on a whole there what something that i always like to do with my clients is like the framing piece because every client will have their brand, that brand will have its own personality, and they will have a vision of how they want to live and exist in this world. And whatever it is you're creating, will need to align with that. However, I think the space to play and where you can get permission, and this is something I love to do with my clients, is I ask them early on of what are the, like, what are our functional and emotional benefits? Where are we trying to take people? Because the insight doesn't necessarily always have to be a functional or rational one. And if we can push them, um, and if it feels right, I think emotion wins out <laughs> all the time. Mm, yeah. And I'm sure there's an aspect of, you know, behavioral science that you 
lean into as well um, in terms of nudging people to to do things. I mean, that's that's super interesting as well because you know clearly all of the books say we think a lot less than we think we think. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's so true. So much of it is like semiotics of things that we see or bias that we have that we naturally just go, oh, that makes sense to us. I'm going to do it that way. All right. Well, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Well, thank you for having me. All right. Chat soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share this episode, and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts.